This is the London Visited podcast on your favourite podcast provider, bringing to you the facts, history and information about different parts of this great capital. If you have been to London, are planning on visiting, live here or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Steve and welcome to our podcast. We're here for all things London and to tell you more behind some of the iconic places and people in London's history. In this episode, we're going to the Houses of Parliament at Westminster for our first part of two, looking into the history of the UK's seat of power. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. And now to this week's podcast. The Parliament of the United Kingdom is the supreme legislative body of the UK, the Crown Dependencies and the British Overseas Territories. It alone possesses legislative supremacy and therefore ultimate power over all other political bodies in the UK and the overseas territories. Parliament is bisumerial, but it has three parts, consisting of the Sovereign, Crown in Parliament, the House of Lords and the House of Commons, the Primary Chamber. Both Houses of Parliament meet in separate chambers at the Palace of Westminster in the City of Westminster, one of the inner London boroughs. The House of Lords includes two different types of members the Lords Spiritual, consisting of the most senior bishops of the Church of England, and the Lords Temporal, consisting mainly of life peers, appointed by the Sovereign, and 92 hereditary peers, sitting either by virtue of holding a royal office or by being elected by their fellow hereditary peers. Prior to the opening of the Supreme Court in October 2009, the House of Lords also performed a judicial role through the Law Lords. The House of Commons is an elected chamber with elections to 650 single-member constituencies, held at least every five years under the the first-past-the-post system. By constitutional convention, all government ministers, including Prime Minister, are members of the House of Commons, or, less commonly, the House of Lords and thereby accountable to the respective branches of the legislature. The cabinet ministers are from the Commons, while junior members can be from either House. With the global expansion of the British Empire, the UK Parliament has shaped the political systems of many countries as ex-colonies, and so it has been called the Mother of Parliament. In theory, the UK's supreme legislative power is officially vested in the Crown in Parliament. However, the Crown normally acts on the advice of the Prime Minister, and the powers of the House of Lords are limited only to delaying legislation. Thus, power is de facto vested in the House of Commons. The Parliament of Great Britain was formed in 1707, following the ratification of the Treaty of the Union by the Acts of Union, passed by the Parliament of England, established in 1215, and the Parliament of Scotland of 1235, both Acts of Union stating that the United Kingdom of Great Britain be represented by one and the same Parliament, to be styled the Parliament of Great Britain. At the start of the 19th century, Parliament was further enlarged by Acts of Union, ratified by the Parliament of Great Britain and the Parliament of Ireland, 1297 that abolished the latter and added 100 Irish MPs and 32 Lords to the former to create the Parliament of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. The Royal and Parliamentary Titles Act 1927 formally amended the name to the Parliament of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, five years after the succession of the Irish Free State. The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland was created on the 1st of January 1801 by the merger of the kingdoms of Great Britain and Ireland under the Acts of Union 1800. 
the principle of ministerial responsibility to the lower house, Commons, did not develop until the 19th century. The House of Lords was superior to the House of Commons, both in theory and in practice. Members of the House of Commons, MPs, were elected in an antiquated electoral system under which constituencies of vastly different sizes existed. Thus, the borough of Old Sarum, with seven voters, could elect two members, as could the borough of Dunwich, which had almost completely disappeared into the sea due to land erosion. Many small constituencies, known as pockets or rotten boroughs, were controlled by members of the House of Lords, who could ensure the election of their relatives or supporters. During the reforms of the 19th century, beginning with the Reform Act of 1832, the electoral system for the House of Commons was progressively regularised. No longer dependent on the Lords for their seats, MPs grew more assertive. The supremacy of the British House of Commons was reformed in the early 20th century. In 1909, the Commons passed the so-called People's Budget, which made numerous changes to the taxation system, which were detrimental to wealthy landowners. The House of Lords, which consisted mostly of powerful landowners, rejected the budget. On the basis of the budget's popularity and the Lords' consequent unpopularity, the Liberal Party narrowly won two general elections in 1910. Using the result as a mandate, the Liberal Prime Minister, H. H. Asquith, introduced the Parliament Bill, which sought to restrict the powers of the House of Lords. He did not reintroduce the land tax provision of the People's Budget. When the Lords refused to pass the bill, Asquith countered with a promise extracted from the King in secret before the second general election of 1910 and requested the creation of several hundred Liberal peers, so as to erase the Conservative majority in the House of Lords. In the face of such a threat, the House of Lords narrowly passed the bill. The Parliament Act, 1911, as it became, prevented the Lords from blocking a money bill, a bill dealing with taxation, and allowed them to delay any other bill for a maximum of three sessions, reduced to two sessions in 1949 after which it could become law over their objections. However, regardless of the Parliament Acts of 1911 and 1949, the House of Lords has always retained the unrestricted power to veto any bill outright, which attempts to extend the life of a Parliament. The Government of Ireland Act 1920 created the Parliaments of Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland and reduced the representation of both parts of Westminster. The number of Northern Ireland seats was increased again after the introduction of direct rule in 1973. The Irish Free State became independent in 1922, and in 1927, Parliament was renamed the Parliament of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Further reforms to the House of Lords were made in the 20th century. The Life Peerages Act 1958 authorised a regular creation of life peerage dignities. By the 1960s, the regular creation of hereditary peerage dignities had ceased. Thereafter, almost all new peers were life peers only. The House of Lords Act 1999 removed the automatic right of hereditary peers to sit in the House of Lords, although it made an exception for 92 of them to be elected to life terms by the other hereditary peers, with by-elections upon their death. The House of Lords is now a chamber that is subordinate to the House of Commons. Additionally, the Constitutional Reform Act 2005 led to the abolition of the judicial functions of the House of Lords with the creation of a new Supreme Court of the United Kingdom in October 2009. The Legislative Authority, the Crown in Parliament, has three separate elements, the Monarch, the House of Lords and the House of Commons. 
no individual may be a member of both houses, and members of the House of Lords are legally barred from voting in elections for members of the House of Commons. Formally, no one could be a member of Parliament MP, while holding an office of profit under the Crown, thus maintaining the separation of powers. But the principle has been gradually eroded. Until 1919, members of Parliament who were appointed to ministerial office lost their seats in the House of Commons and had to seek re-election. The rule was abolished in 1926. Holders of offices were ineligible to serve as a member of Parliament under the House of Commons Disqualification Act 1975. Royal assent of the monarch is required for all bills to become law, and certain delegated legislation must be made by the monarch by order in council. The Crown also has executive powers which do not depend on Parliament. Through prerogative powers, including the power to make treaties, declare war, award honours, and appoint officers and civil servants. In practice, these are always exercised by the monarch on the advice of the Prime Minister and the other ministers of Her Majesty's government. The Prime Minister and the government are directly accountable to Parliament through its control of public finances and to the public through the election of members of Parliament. The monarch also appoints the Prime Minister, who then forms a government from members of the Houses of Parliament. This must be someone who could command a majority in a confidence vote in the House of Commons. In the past, the monarch has occasionally had to make the judgment, as in the appointment of Alec Douglas Hume in 1963, when it was thought that the incumbent Prime Minister Harold Macmillan had become ill with terminal cancer. However, today the monarch is advised by the outgoing Prime Minister as to whom he or she should offer the position to next. The House of Lords is known formally as the Right Honourable, the Lords Spiritual and Temporal in Parliament Assembled, the Lords Spiritual being bishops of the Church of England and the Lords Temporal being peers of the realm. The Lords Spiritual and the Lords Temporal are considered separate estates, but they sit debate and vote together. Since the Parliament Acts 1911 and 1949, the powers of the House of Lords have been very much less than those of the House of Commons. All bills, except money bills, are debated and voted upon in the House of Lords. However, by voting against a bill, the House of Lords can only delay it for a maximum of two parliamentary sessions over a year. After that time, the House of Commons can force the bill through without the Lords' consent under the Parliament Acts. The House of Lords can also hold the government to account through questions to government ministers and the operation of a small number of select committees. The highest court in England and Wales and Northern Ireland used to be a committee of the House of Lords, but it became an independent Supreme Court in 2009. The Lords Spiritual formally included all of the senior clergymen of the Church of England, archbishops, bishops, abbots and mitred priors. Upon the dissolution of the monasteries under Henry VIII, the abbots and mitred priors lost their positions in Parliament. All diocesan bishops continued to sit in Parliament, but the Bishop of Manchester Act 1847 and later Acts provided that only 26 most senior are Lords Spiritual. These always include incumbents of the five great sees, namely the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Archbishop of York, the Bishop of London, the Bishop of Durham and the Bishop of Winchester. The remaining 21 Lords Spiritual are the most senior diocesan bishops, ranked in order of consecration. Although the Lord Spiritual Women Act 2015 makes time-limited provision for vacancies to be filled by women who are bishops, the Lord's Temporal Life Peers, created under the Appellate Jurisdiction Act of 1876 and the Life Peerages Act 1958, 
in addition to 92 hereditary peers under the House of Lords Act 1999. Formerly, the Lords Temporal were exclusively hereditary peers. The right of some hereditary peers to sit in Parliament was not automatic. After Scotland and England united into Great Britain in 1707, it was provided that all peers whose dignities had been created by English kings could sit in Parliament. But those whose dignities had been created by Scottish kings were to elect a limited number of representative peers. A similar arrangement was made in respect of Ireland when it was united with Great Britain in 1801. But when Southern Ireland left the United Kingdom in 1922, the election of Irish representative peers ceased. By the Peerage Act 1963, the election of Scottish representative peers also ended, and all Scottish peers were granted the right to sit in Parliament. Under the House of Lords Act 1999, only life peerages, that is to say, peerage dignities which cannot be inherited, automatically entitled their holders to seats in the House of Lords. Of the hereditary peers, only 92, the Earl Marshal and the Lord Great Chamberlain, and 90 elected by other peers, retain their seats in the House. The Commons, the last known of the estates of the Kingdom, are represented in the House of Commons, which is known formally as the Honourable the Commons in Parliament assembled. Commons, coming not from the term commoner, but from commune, the old French term for a district. As of 2019, the House consists of 650 members. However, one seat is left vacant by the Speaker of the House, who must remain politically impartial, and so does not get a vote on the passing of bills. Each Member of Parliament, MP, is chosen by a single constituency by the first-past-the-post electoral system. There are 650 constituencies in the United Kingdom, each made up of an average of 65,925 voters. The first-past-the-post system means that every constituency elects one MP each, except the constituency of the Speaker, whose seat is uncontested. Each voter assigns one vote for one candidate, and the candidate with the most votes in each constituency is elected as MP to represent their constituency. A party needs to win 326 constituencies, known as seats, to win a majority in the House of Commons. If no party achieves a majority, then a situation of no overall control occurs, commonly known as a hung parliament. In case of a hung parliament, the party with the most seats has the opportunity to form a coalition with other parties, so their combined seat tally exceeds past the 326-seat majority. Universal adult suffrage exists for those 18 and over, citizens of the United Kingdom, and those of the Republic of Ireland and Commonwealth nations, resident in the United Kingdom, who are qualified to vote, unless they are in prison at the time of the election. The term of members of the House of Commons depends on the term of Parliament, a maximum of five years. A general election, during which all seats are contested, occurs after each dissolution. All legislation must be passed by the House of Commons to become law, and it controls taxation and the supply of money to the government. Government ministers, including the Prime Minister, must regularly answer questions in the House of Commons, and there are a number of select committees that scrutinise particular issues and the workings of the government. There are also mechanisms that allow members of the House of Commons to bring to the attention of the government particular issues affecting their constituents. The state opening of Parliament is an annual event that marks the commencement of a session of the Parliament of the United Kingdom. It is held in the House of Lords Chamber. Before 2012, it took place in November or December, or in a general election year when the new Parliament first assembled. 
From 2012 onwards, the ceremony has taken place in May or June. Upon the signal of the monarch, the Lord Great Chamberlain raises their wand of office to signal to Black Rod, who is charged with summoning the House of Commons and has been waiting in the Commons lobby. Black Rod turns and, under the escort of the doorkeeper of the House of Lords and an inspector of police, approaches the doors to the chambers of the Commons. In 1642, King Charles I stormed into the House of Commons in an unsuccessful attempt to arrest the five members, who included the celebrated English patriot and leading parliamentarian, John Hampton. This action sparked the English Civil War. The wars established the constitutional rights of Parliament, a concept legally established in the Glorious Revolution in 1688 and the subsequent Bill of Rights 1689. Since then, no British monarch has entered the House of Commons when it is in session. On Blackrod's approach, the doors are slammed shut against them, symbolizing the rights of Parliament and its independence from the monarch. They then strike with the end of their ceremonial staff, the Black Rod, three times on the closed doors of the Commons Chamber. They are then admitted and announce the command of the monarch for the attendance of the Commons. The monarch reads a speech, known as a speech from the throne, which is prepared by the Prime Minister and the Cabinet, outlining the government's agenda for the coming year. The speech reflects the legislative agenda for which the government intends to seek the agreement of both Houses of Parliament. After the monarch leaves, each chamber proceeds to the consideration of the address in reply to Her Majesty's gracious speech. But first, each house considers a bill pro forma to symbolize their right to deliberate independently of the monarch. In the House of Lords, the bill is called the Select Vestries Bill, while the Commons equivalent is the Outlawries Bill. The bills are considered for the sake of form only and do not make any actual progress. Both Houses of the British Parliament are presided over by a Speaker, the Speaker of the House for the Commons and the Lord Speaker in the House of Lords. For the Commons, the approval of the Sovereign is theoretically required before the election of the Speaker becomes valid, but it is, by modern convention, always granted. The Speaker's place may be taken by the Chairman of Ways and Means, the first Deputy Chairman, or the second Deputy Chairman. The titles of those three officials refer to the Committee of Ways and Means a body which no longer exists. Prior to July 2006, the House of Lords was presided over by a Lord Chancellor, a cabinet member whose influence as Speaker was very limited, whilst the powers belonging to the Speaker of the House of Commons are vast. However, as part of the Constitutional Reform Act 2005, the position of Speaker of the House of Lords, as it is termed in the Act, was separated from the office of Lord Chancellor, the office which has control over the judiciary as a whole. Though, the Lords remain largely self-governing. Decisions on points of order and the disciplining of unruly members are made by the whole body, but by the Speaker alone in the lower house. Speeches in the House of Lords are addressed in the House as a whole, using the words, my Lords, but in the House of Commons are addressed to the Speaker alone, using Mr. Speaker or Madam Speaker. Speeches may be made to both houses simultaneously. Both houses may decide questions by voice vote, Members shout A and No in the Commons, or content and not content in the Lords, and the presiding officer declares the result. Originally, there was no fixed limit on the length of a Parliament, but the Triannual Act 1694 set the maximum duration at three years. As the frequent elections were deemed inconvenient, the Septennial Act 1715 extended the maximum to seven years, but the Parliament Act 1911 
reduced it to five. During the Second World War, the term was temporarily extended to 10 years by Acts of Parliament. Since the end of the war, the maximum has remained five years. Modern parliaments, however, rarely continued for the maximum duration. Normally, they were dissolved earlier. For instance, the 52nd, which assembled in 1997, was dissolved after four years. The Septennial Act was repealed by the Fixed-Term Parliaments Act 2011, which established a presumption that Parliament will last for five years, unless two-thirds of the House of Commons votes for an early general election, or the government loses the confidence of the House. Following a general election, a new parliamentary session begins. Parliament is formally summoned 40 days in advance by the Sovereign, who is the source of Parliament authority. On the day indicated by the Sovereign's proclamation, the two Houses assemble in their respective chambers. The Commons are then summoned to the House of Lords, where Lords Commissioners, representatives of the Sovereign, instruct them to elect a Speaker. The Commons perform the election. On the next day, they return to the House of Lords, where the Lords Commissioners confirm the election and grant the new Speaker the royal approval in the Sovereign's name. The business of Parliament for the next few days of its session involves the taking of oaths and allegiance. Once a majority of the members have taken the oath in each house, the state opening of Parliament may take place. The Lords take their seats in the House of Lords chamber, the Commons appear at the bar, at the entrance to the chamber, and the Sovereign takes his or her seat on the throne. The Sovereign then reads the speech from the throne, the content of which is determined by the Ministers of the Crown, outlining the government's legislative agenda for the upcoming year. Thereafter, each house proceeds to the transaction of legislative business. By custom, before considering the government's legislative agenda, a bill is introduced to pro forma in each house, the Select Vestries Bill in the House of Lords and the Outlawries Bill in the House of Commons. These bills do not become laws. They are ceremonial indications of the power of each house to debate independently of the Crown. After the pro forma bill is introduced, each house debates the content of the speech from the throne for several days. Once each house formally sends its reply to the speech, legislative business may commence, appointing committees, electing officers, passing resolutions, and considering legislation. A session of Parliament is brought to an end by a prorogation. There is a ceremony similar to a state opening, but much less well known to the general public. Normally, the Sovereign does not personally attend the prorogation ceremony in the House of Lords. He or she is represented by the Lords Commissioners. The next session of Parliament begins under the procedures described above, but it is not necessary to conduct another election of a Speaker or take the oaths of allegiance afresh at the beginning of each such subsequent session. Instead, the State Opening of Parliament proceeds directly. To avoid the delay of opening a new session in the event of an emergency during the long summer recess, Parliament is no longer prorogued beforehand but only after the Houses have been reconvened in the autumn. The state opening follows a few days later. Each Parliament comes to an end after a number of sessions, in anticipation of a general election. Parliament is dissolved by virtue of the Fixed-Term Parliaments Act 2011. Prior to that, dissolution was effected by the Sovereign, always on the advice of the Prime Minister. The Prime Minister could seek dissolution at a time politically advantageous to his or her party. If the Prime Minister loses the support of the House of Commons, Parliament will dissolve and a new election will be held. Parliaments can be dissolved if two-thirds of the House of Commons vote for an early election. Formally, the demise of the Sovereign automatically brought a Parliament to an end. 
the crown being seen as caput princium elfinis, beginning, basis, and end of the body. But this is no longer the case. The first change was during the reign of William and Mary, when it was seen to be inconvenient to have no parliament at a time when succession to the crown could be disputed. And an act was passed that provided that a parliament was to continue for six months after the death of a sovereign, unless dissolved earlier. Under the Representation of the People Act 1867, Parliament can now continue for as long as it would have otherwise have done in the event of the death of a sovereign. After each Parliament concludes, the Crown issues writs to hold a general election and elect new members of the House of Commons through membership of the House of Lords, though membership of the House of Lords does not change. So, I hope you've enjoyed our look at our first podcast on the Houses of Parliament. In our podcast next time, we'll be looking at its legal functions and its relationship with the government. If you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any other places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can let me know through our website, www.londonvisited.co.uk. It's that easy. Thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon for part two. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. Catch you soon on the next one. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.